Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's cool fact of the day is that it will take you about twice as long to lose new muscle when you stop working out than it took you to gain it in the first place. This is one reason that once you've built muscle, you can afford to take a little bit of time off without really doing much damage. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today is going to be kind of cool because we could have another session with Alexis Bright. Alexis runs our Q&A sessions, and she's one of the people behind the podcast. Alexis, thanks for coming on to be our question master. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to get to talk to you, Dave. So what are some of the latest biohacks you're working on? So I've been playing with the Bulletproof Sense app powered by Sweetwater for iPhone. And before anybody says anything about Android, can you tell them what's up with Android? We are working on it. And by the way, it's Food Sense, not Bulletproof Sense. There's the Bulletproof Food Sense, but then there's the other Bulletproof app. Which is HRV Sense. The HRV Sense. Okay. Uh, No problem. That app is actually really cool. I'm not wearing my monitor right now, but it's sitting here on my desk somewhere. And I 
I'm loving that app. Like all day stress management stuff is kind of cool. Totally. I'm I'm actually wearing it right now and recording uh, my data. Can we put a picture yeah. of your data into the video stream for this to show totally. people how stressed you were while talking? Yes. Oh, yes. that's awesome. I've been gathering baseline data. I've been changing my exercise routines because if my heart rate variability is low that day relative to how it's been other days, then I'll skip exercising. And I notice that I'm actually feeling better and getting a little bit more out of my exercise because of that. Um, I'm also wearing the monitor in different settings, like with my boyfriend, with clients and meetings, playing Halo 4. And uh, I've gotten my friends to experiment with it too. And I have a question for you. It's a couple of questions. So I found that using inner balance or the M wave is still the best way for me to start to train my heart rate variability. And when I try to do the same thing, wearing only the HRV monitor and using the HRV app, that I'm not getting the same results. And I, so I was wondering, why is it that the M wave is, is what seems, well, the iOS inner balance is what seems to be um, working better for me for training the HRV? And it's really kind of cool that you asked because I carry both of them on the store on Upgraded Self. One of them, the inner balance sensor that hooks up on the iPhone, I think, I don't know if my iPhone's floating around here somewhere. That thing is the best trainer I know of. And part of it's the UI. It also has a breath pacer on it. And their algorithm is designed specifically for training. The only problem is you're not going to walk around with like an ear clip on all the time. And it's not motion mitigated. So if it wiggles, it changes the perceived heart rate variability. So it's great. If you're going to sit and focus for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I use inner balance. I, I put it on my kids. It's great to watch them take deep breaths. But if you want to know how you're doing all day long, or maybe you want to do a quick bit of training, you certainly can use the HRV Sense app. In fact, I was at JJ Virgin's Mastermind. Uh, she's author of The Virgin Diet and a New York Times bestseller. And she puts together this group of mostly doctors who get together and talk about this kind of stuff. So I wore my strap all the time, my polar heart monitor, and I was using HRV Sense. And sometimes I would notice my heart rate variability would drop into like 40 if I was feeling a little tired or whatever. And I would literally just do the the technique that you learn doing the heart math inner balance sensor until I could get my level up to 60. And it usually took me a minute or two. So I learned that I could actually watch during the day and just every now and then go, oh, it's lower than I want it. And consciously it will rise as long as you have that skill set. But I've never tried developing the skill set just from HRV sense. It's like you lift weights in order to build muscle and that's inner balance. But then if you want to know how strong you are all day long, that's something else. And that's what you get from HRV sense. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you. Um, and the other thing I found interesting, I have a friend that uh, I talked into playing with my Polar H7 strap and, and my heart rate monitor. And so he got a baseline of around 70 for his heart rate. Um, and his basic HRV was around 60, 65. And then he smoked some pot. And his pulse went up to 130 beats a minute and stayed there for about three hours. And his HRV dropped to eight and based Holy on the crap. yeah, based on the research I did, it indicates that an elevated pulse is actually normal. 
Um, and I saw some, I saw inconclusive stuff regard, related to heart rate variability and marijuana. Some, some one, at least one study I saw said it suggested that it increases it, but I thought that was really interesting that it dropped to eight. So do you have any ideas about that? I would want to see his SpO2 or the amount of oxygen in his blood. You've seen me in like my creative live video and some of the others. It's a little blue sensor you put on your finger and you can buy these at a drugstore and they tell you how much oxygen's there. If the act of smoking increased carbon monoxide in his blood and that meant that basically he had less oxygen saturation, his body may have responded by making the heartbeat faster. It's just a theory, but that would stress your body, which would cause your HRV to drop. But HRV of eight isn't that good. I think maybe he should try eating some next time and seeing what the difference is. This is one of the reasons I am not a huge fan of smoking pot. Like for people who are going to use it, if you nebulize it or you eat it, or even like the transdermal preparations, uh, they have the benefits of cannabis as a medical herb, but they don't have the negative impacts of breathing smoke of any kind. Even a water pipe is going to be better than, you know, just rolling it in a paper. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. And if there are any, any podcast listeners out there that have their own data on that, I'd, I'd love to see it. I think it would be really interesting for all of our listeners to, to know stuff like that. And of course, post anonymously. <laughs> Unless you live in Washington State or Colorado or somewhere like that. Right. So Dave, what's your biohack of the week? Uh, I've been, since a, I guess maybe 10 years old, I've had this spot on my thigh about this big. And it's grown to be about this big where there's very little sensation. So you can tap me there and I won't feel it. And I've been to a few neurologists and all and, and they've, said various things over the years, but no one really knows what it is. So I've been stimulating that nerve with an infrared device that also does PEMF. I've been using my Soma Pulse on it as well. This is the uh, the Soma Pulse. If you check this out on Creative Live, we actually have a code for the Soma Pulse if you want to get one, it's $400 off, uh, which more than pays for the cost of the show. So this is a device that speeds cellular regeneration and increases athletic performance. But I also, at the same time, was using a, a proprietary prototype of an infrared pulse stimulator. And the infrared device, I kind of fell asleep with it. I have a history of not doing good things while biohacking while asleep. So I woke up and I had burned something exactly the shape of Africa into the side of my leg. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm like, that's not good. So I'm looking at wound healing because it's just big enough that it doesn't need a skin graft. It doesn't hurt at all, but I'm taking excessive amounts of hydrolyzed collagen and vitamin C and properly changing the dressings on it. And I'm just looking at the healing rate for what's a relatively large burn. It doesn't really like hurt a lot. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, my my dad saw the Creative Live event and he's really psyched about uh, doing a bunch of stuff. I've been telling him to go gluten-free for a couple of years now and he's reduced gluten and then he saw the creative live show and he's gone gluten-free and he's like, wow, there really is a difference. We, we hacked your dad. That's awesome. I know. That's amazing. <laughs> so it, it's great to hear when family and friends are feeling better um, just through living, living through example. So Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention to you on Creative Live, um, when you were talking about the happiness thing, 
you had mentioned that you disagreed with the set point theory um, and your instinct was right on that that there is not that, that the set point theory um, there's new evidence that suggests that your set point which researchers what that is is researchers found that if you won the lottery or you lost a limb within about two years your level of happiness would be at the same place that it was before that event and so that's why they thought there was a set point theory and new research is showing that up to 50 percent of your happiness is could be genetically determined 10 percent was related to circumstantial factors and the remaining 40 percent was determined by your habits and and your activities and the ways you taught yourself to think and behave and so i thought that was you know it was really cool that your instinct was right on and that there's also research to back that up so so people probably don't know this about you alexis but you sort of did your graduate thesis on happiness i did yeah i have a master's in family therapy and my original focus was on career women um, who decided not to have children and the the emotional impact of that. And I decided happiness was just a better topic. It, it made me happier too. There you go. Following your happiness makes you more bulletproof. And when you say it's a matter of, of you know, habits, like one of the habits that makes me happy is, you know, something as simple as, you know, shining a laser on, on, on my forehead during podcasts. It just works. Okay, maybe not, but it does change your brain. It changes your brain, but it's also the behavior itself is sending a message to you at your core that you care about yourself enough to take an interest in how you're doing and your own well-being. That was perhaps the mushiest thing we've had on a Bulletproof Executive podcast. So I know. What part of you is it showing that it shares, or that it cares about? Like which part of your brain is talking to which part of your brain there? It depends on your theory of mind. Um, I go from more of, I, I go from a parts work based model. Um, so I don't necessarily have an answer to that, but this thing that you consider self, have you ever felt like you wanted to make two different decisions at the same time and you felt conflicted? Oh, maybe so. in the past, maybe not now. Um, so yeah, certainly you can have conflict and you have competing goals and those can actually be different exactly. parts of self. I, I, I buy that. Exactly. And so, so really it's, it's, you know, there's a part of you that does care about you and, and, and all of us have all these different parts, um, based on, on the parts model. And it doesn't mean you're schizophrenic or anything. It, it just means that there are different aspects of self and conceptualizing them can help you integrate. And so to, it's like, if you were leading a company, getting all the people on the same page in the company, you know, because if yeah. for people who've experienced trauma, there are parts of them that get stuck at certain ages. And so when or you could look at them, trauma can sort of isolate neural networks um, and then they only get activated if they're triggered by something, which then you'll have an emotional memory flooding the present moment. And that can make it hard for you to make a decision. Right. Oh, most most definitely. That's one of the reasons that I do the work with neurofeedback that I do is to get all the parts talking to each other, first of all, and then like working for a common goal. And oh my God, when when you get yourself out of your own way, really cool stuff happens. Well, I, Alexa, I didn't think we we're going to talk about any of this in case, you know, when you're listening to this, you think we plan all this ahead of time. No, um, we're just uh, we're just chatting. Uh, Alexis's recording studio um, is actually 
I think that's your bathroom behind you, Alexis. It's my bathroom covered in towels to dampen echo. Which is way cool if you ask me. That's like serious environmental hacking right there. So we're just talking because this is the cool stuff that came up. But we did prepare ahead of time with some questions. So Alexis, we have a list of questions from listeners. Um, I think a lot of them came from Creative Live. If yes. You, if you haven't seen Creative Live or you don't know about it, for the last 60 days, pretty much the entire Bulletproof team has been helping to put together content for this 18-hour, three-day course with video, live audience, demos, how to make Bulletproof coffee, how to make get some ice cream, and pretty much the whole suite of biohacking knowledge that you'd want. We put it all together into this video course. If you go to creativelive.com and search for The Bulletproof Life or Dave Asprey, you'll find it. There's also the brand new Bulletproof Diet infographic, which is a complete transformation of the old one that worked, but was kind of clunky and ugly. Like this thing is, has all kinds of new info. This is the backbone for the new book. If you go to bulletproofdietbook.com, you can pre-register to get the first chapter of the book as well. So check out Creative Live, look at the course. The course comes along with a bunch of freebies, including some coupon codes for technologies and stuff like that. In the meantime, we had 30,000 people watching that. And we got a ton of great questions. Alexis has gone through and curated those questions. So we're taking some of the best ones right now. So Alexis, let's get started on that list so we don't run out of time on this podcast. Sounds good. So the first question comes from Sam17. Could it be possible that a person is sensitive or allergic to MCT oil? I experienced that my throat gets kind of tight when I add MCT. And I thought, you can only be allergic to protein. If you're allergic to coconut, is there an alternative to MCT oil you can use? There's several questions in here, actually. One of them is, can you be sensitive to MCT oil? Yeah, and some percentage of people are sensitive, especially to the C10. So if you take MCT oil and it causes persistent digestive discomfort, or if it causes throat irritation, Number one, it'll probably go away if you keep taking it. But if it still happens, try Brain Octane. Brain Octane is way smoother than MCT oil, and it's three times stronger than MCT oil for what it does in the brain anyway. It's pretty powerful. So I've found 80% of people who feel that MCT oil is doing something in their throat don't have that problem when they, they upgrade to Brain Octane. Brain Octane removes the longer chain, medium chain fatty acids and has only the most powerful one that's about 4% of coconut oil. In terms of whether you can be allergic to only protein, you can have sensitivities to all sorts of things that aren't only proteins. When I say sensitivities, I mean your white blood cells proliferate in response to the presence of this thing, but it's not a antibody response caused by a protein. My wife and I have directly measured when we ran a medical lab testing company. We could measure white blood cell proliferation using a radioactive cell counter when certain people's white blood cells are exposed to gold or titanium or nickel or cadmium, which are kind of obvious. But it's funny that your immune system goes nuts without an antibody causing it. That can happen. What's going on here, I think, is physical irritation, not actually an allergic response. The MCT that we use is... 100% pure, and it should not cause coconut allergies, even if you're allergic to coconut oil. Great. I think that'll be helpful to a lot of our readers. So the next question comes from Steve D. I'm allergic to coffee, bean, and dairy. Can you recommend alternatives to your Bulletproof coffee? Well, 
if you've never tried Bulletproof coffee with upgraded coffee beans, it is worth a single try, even if it's just a couple sips, depending on what your allergy is like. A lot of people that are allergic to, quote, coffee are allergic to the fermentation stuff, basically the scum of fermentation that's still part of your coffee. And frankly, sometimes gives it a really good flavor. Uh, the stuff we have is different in that we don't allow that process to happen during processing, and then we test for the presence of a whole bunch of compounds. We also test for the presence of histamine and eliminate it. Histamine does form in coffee, and it can survive in the roasting process, which means you could be getting histamine response from it. So it's hard to say you're allergic to coffee until you've actually known you're testing only coffee without gunk on it. In terms of dairy... I've known four people who don't tolerate ghee. Everyone else who's allergic to dairy to the point that even butter affects them can tolerate ghee, which is clarified butter, where you remove all of the dairy protein. That said, if you want an alternative to Bulletproof Coffee and you want something that is like the highest performing with the least irritation, try a teaspoon of upgraded vanilla. This is mycotoxin-tested, specially cured vanilla, so it doesn't form mold. Most dried vanilla beans are it's a real problem to get mold toxins in those. So a teaspoon of that, a sweetener of your choice, stevia, if you like it, or xylitol from American hardwood, not Chinese corn, and ghee, and upgraded brain octane oil, which is the like uber MCT that goes beyond normal MCT oil. Blend that up. You can play with ratios, blend it with hot water. And what you get is a hot strong vanilla beverage and you get a bit of mental clarity from the vanilla itself. Uh, vanilla has some cool stuff in it and was originally used when we first started using it thousands of years ago as an aphrodisiac and as a medical herb and only in the last few hundred years has it transitioned to a flavoring agent. Do not do this with synthetic vanilla. Use real herbal vanilla when you do this and I really recommend stuff that's not moldy. When you try that, you're going to get a delicious beverage with no caffeine whatsoever, and it's really good. When I'm doing certain kinds of neurofeedback that require no caffeine because of caffeine's interaction with uh, alpha waves in the brain, this is what I drink. It's a pretty powerful thing. You could also do like matcha or something, tea, or uh, some of the herbal teas like chamomile is surprisingly good with butter and brain octane in it. That sounds like a great alternative. My mom loves the vanilla, by the way. She's requested that I send her some. Cool. Our next question comes from Matt Sickle. He says, I spend so much time preparing food. How much time does Dave or his wife Lana spend per day or week preparing food? Six minutes in the morning. That is, boil water while I'm doing something else. Pour it over the coffee that I grind while I'm boiling the water. Four minutes later, I decant the coffee into a blender with butter, brain octane, or upgraded MCT. And sometimes I'll put upgraded collagen in the blender as well. I, I do this every morning with like a little bit of variation. Sometimes there's vanilla or chocolate added, but this is my breakfast smoothie. I blend it and then I drink it while I'm doing something else. That is literally six minutes. For lunch, if I have lunch, which I don't every day, steam vegetables in a pan takes about eight minutes a head of cauliflower is likely, a head of broccoli, a bunch of asparagus, whatever you have on hand, it's not that much. Frozen vegetables work fine. Pour them into the blender, add butter, add MCT oil, blend, and that is a basic soup. You can add some flavoring agents, look an upgraded chef. And what you've got there is 
several servings of vegetables, a healthy serving of fat, and no protein. If you want protein, you can brown protein, which adds another maybe seven or eight minutes while the vegetables are cooking, so it doesn't add a lot more time. And then you put browned meat, you can put chopped whatever you like, chopped olives, things like that into it. And then for dinner, that's when you might spend 20, 25 minutes cooking if you want to have steak or hamburgers or something like that, along with sweet potatoes or something along those lines. But overall, I spend less than an hour a day cooking. And if you do it right, you can do it with only a few pans. In fact, you can do it with one pan for most meals, sometimes two. I don't like dishes any more than you do. Yeah, I take a slightly different approach that is slightly less bulletproof. I've found a caterer to make 10 meals a week for me from the upgraded chef. And I have them all delivered on the same day. I freeze them and defrost them one by one. And that's how I end up eating my food. And I don't have to cook it all. I just have to reheat it on the stove and I'm done. And I have a great nutritious meal. So notice that she freezes those. And Alexis, I know you and I have talked about this. If you eat leftovers that have been sitting in your fridge for a couple days and they still taste pretty good, that's not a good idea. Histamine forms, mold toxins form, bacterial toxins form, and anything, especially for protein and fat that have been heated and then reheated like that, uh, you are asking for it when you take that protein that's got water in it, that doesn't have preservatives, that's sitting in the fridge and keeps sitting there. It's not like spoiling is an on-off process. Spoiling is a is a decline, and it's it's got a, a shaped curve. So you'll just notice if you eat leftovers that you didn't freeze, that it have been out of the fridge for more than about 24 hours, you will lower your performance. Our next question comes from Erica Berry from Facebook. She says, Dave, what's the logic behind avoiding mushrooms? Well, they make you see lots of pretty colors, which is a problem. Oh, the other kind of mushrooms you mean. There are studies, even of the white button mushrooms, that show that they increase uh, smooth, uh, smooth cell wall proliferation, smooth wall cell proliferation. I have a word swapped around in there. Uh, basically a risk factor for atherosclerosis. They are not bad for you. It's just that mushrooms have profound effects inside the human body that go beyond just being fuel. So I would not recommend them as a regular food source for many, many people. And you can test this with the FoodSense app and see if you're sensitive to them. An enormous number of people are, but we don't quite understand some of what they do. When it comes to medicinal mushrooms, I'm a huge fan. So if you're going to take a reishi or uh, one of the other mushrooms for immune stimulation, that's wonderful. But using them as just a food source without taking into account that they contain fungal toxins and they fuel the growth of candida in your body. There are lots of people who are made weaker by eating mushrooms, and I'm not convinced anyone is made healthier by making mushrooms a major part of their, their diet. Organic JB writes in, I've been eating paleo slash bulletproof and drinking bulletproof coffee for about two weeks. The bulletproof coffee makes me a little nauseous and I have not lost a single pound. I don't know what I'm doing wrong and I don't know how to fix it. Any suggestions, please? There's a lot of info I'd like to have to answer questions like this. You know, how old is this person? Uh, what gender are they? And how much are they eating? How much are they exercising? How much are they sleeping are the big variables that would come into play to answer that question. What does stand out is that a little bit nauseous and only having done paleo or bulletproof for two weeks. Were they a raw vegan before? Were they on the standard American diet? Were they on a low-fat, high-protein diet? What's going on here is that for the first at least six weeks, 
actually it's usually about exactly six weeks, your pancreas needs to learn how to make more lipase, the enzyme that digests fat. So what you want to do is if it, you're getting nauseous from Bulletproof Coffee is back off on the amount of butter and or MCT oil until you don't feel nauseous. At the same time, take betaine HCL and a digestive enzyme that contains lipase. What we're doing here is supporting your body's ability to make stomach acid to emulsify the fat and we're supporting your body's ability to make lipase to actually digest the fat. When you do that, you shouldn't feel the nausea. The fact that you haven't lost a pound well, it's only been two weeks, and we don't know how much of the stuff you're eating or what else you're doing, but also, what do you look like in the mirror? You can lose inflammation and gain muscle at the same time. So is your body changing and you're not losing a pound, or do you still have the round parts you don't like and you haven't lost a single pound? That's another big variable, but without more info, it's tough to know exactly how to answer this. Yeah, I had I had a friend write me with a similar complaint and I asked him what he was eating. And while it was mostly bulletproof, he also ate dim sum about once a week and he ate tofu pretty regularly. <laughs> it's like, um, okay, you're not actually eliminating stuff. But when I do coaching clients uh, with people, I oftentimes say, I'm eating bulletproof. So I take these puffed rice cakes, which by the way are highly inflammatory, uh, and then I, I put you know, bacon on them and I had that bulletproof breakfast. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, you're not doing it right. So there's that question. And sometimes people have other factors causing chronic inflammation. If there's a food sensitivity involved, it's really hard to lose weight when you're whacking yourself upside the head. You know, if you're allergic to eggs and you're eating eggs for breakfast or lunch every day, the inflammation is not going to go away and your weight loss will be sabotaged. Makes sense. So this one's slightly unrelated to food. I can't pronounce this guy's name. Mibs News <laughs> Zero Zero. I don't know. Sorry, sorry for butchering your name, dude. Hi, Dave. I'm 23 and already presenting some hair loss. Do you have some recommendations to stop hair loss and promote regrowing? I'm interested in this. I I still have a reasonable amount of hair because well, I'm when I'm 40, about to turn 41, and my grand, basically all the guys in my family are like cue ball bald by the time they're 25. So I believe supplementation's helped. Looking at copper is, is an interesting idea. So are you getting enough copper or do you have too much? The copper-zinc ratio can play a role there. Uh, things like silica as a supplement could be helpful. Things as simple as massage work, and it's not well known, but Nizorol, the anti-dandruff shampoo, also has been shown in a few studies to help with uh, removing DHT from hair follicles. So you might want to consider uh, adding that to what you wash your hair with. You also might consider not washing your hair with any shampoo at all and just doing the no poo sort of thing. Uh, people don't really know this about me, but I quit using shampoo like five years ago. And I've maybe used it five or six times since I quit using it uh, in general. And all of those times were because I was like in a, in a TV studio and they sprayed some bad smelling hairspray in my hair and I wanted to get the chemicals out of my hair. Uh, the rest of the time, my scalp and my hair health actually is much better when I don't wash it at all with basically toxic chemicals. You also could look at what hair is made out of. It's made out of collagen. To make collagen, vitamin C plus proline can be helpful, or you could take upgraded collagen to provide your body a source of the building blocks of hair. Uh, I'm not claiming that 
collagen in your diet will cure baldness or anything like that. I'm just saying that it's a good idea to have collagen present in your body as a building block for all of the collagen tissues in your body. Speaking of vitamin C, this question comes from Kanika. She says, Dave, you've mentioned vitamin C for several things. Is there a good kind of vitamin C versus a bad kind? Well, I'm not a fan of calcium ascorbate because most people have too much calcium anyway. Potassium ascorbate, well, if you're doing a vitamin C flush, that stuff has a lot of potassium in it, which could conceivably hurt you or even kill you if you had a potassium overdose. It's really potassium chloride, the potassium salt, that can be risky, but too much potassium can give you an irregular heartbeat, so I would watch out for that one. The super cheap GMO Chinese corn-derived mass market ones that you'd find at you know common low-end vitamin stores or Walmart or something like that are not preferable, but they still do work. I know people who are sensitive to those who actually can't take them, like corn-based vitamin C at all it will affect those people. There are also some really expensive liposomal forms of vitamin C. And you know, uh, we actually just launched our new beyond liposomal glutathione. It's called glutathione force. That's amazing stuff. We're using liposomes and some other chemicals or natural substances actually to help bring stuff through the gut lining. I believe that doing that with vitamin C is kind of a waste of liposomes, to be perfectly honest. You absorb vitamin C pretty well and wrapping it up in fat. I, I need to see some more studies. It's possible that it's it's useful. I could see if you have a liposome that you're already going to take with other stuff in it, but adding... You know, just adding a, a bunch of extra fat to your vitamin C seems like a, a marketing thing, unless I can find some really good data I haven't seen. If you're interested in getting fat-soluble vitamin C, ascorbic palmitate is not a bad source. You'll oftentimes find that in other supplements as a preservative. So I take a little bit of that in a couple of the supplements I take. And then good old-fashioned ascorbic acid is my favorite kind. And Time-release ascorbic acid is pretty good. Solaray makes a nice time-release 1,000 milligram vitamin C. And adding some bioflavonoids in with it is a good idea. Great. Thank you. Bulletman asks, is avocado a good substitute for butter? No. It, it's well known that in a pinch you can use guacamole to replace human blood plasma. But, okay, maybe you can't. <laughs> Although I, I say that when I order like a huge bowl of guacamole with nothing else at a restaurant, they look at me funny and I explain it's for intravenous transfusions. So avocado is great for you. I love avocado. It's a good source of raw fat that isn't damaged by heat and light, but it doesn't have any short chain fatty acids and it doesn't have conjugated linoleic acid. So it's not a good substitute, but there's no reason that you couldn't put a layer of avocado on top of a piece of butter on top of a piece of food and eat that. I'm down with that. I wonder if anybody's tried putting avocado in their bulletproof coffee. I'm, I actually might try that and get back to you next time. I did. When I was a raw vegan, like one of the ways you make a creamy smoothie, you either soak cashews and put them in or you put avocado in. So like you can do amazing avocado pudding where it's mm, like mm -hmm. you use the upgraded chocolate, which is raw actually. And then you put the raw avocado in, add some MCT oil and it's like the avocado provides the binding agent and you get this like like it's really creamy and good, but nowhere near as good as if you do that and then add like three or four egg yolks. But we're getting into like heavy duty dessert territory when you do it. But in coffee, 
there's enough of an avocado flavor that competes that I didn't find it that pleasant. At least add like some chocolate and vanilla, chocolate, vanilla, and cinnamon all the same time to hide the avocado taste. Mm, I do like avocado Ritas. So a margarita made with avocado and lime juice instead of margarita mix. Oh, that sounds awesome. I haven't tried it, but I will. Yeah, make sure it's blended as opposed to on the rocks. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. Chunks of avocado stuck to ice. Yuck. Yeah, blended is the key, just like with our coffee. So Basil Wonderer, another coffee question, asks, is coffee temperature bad for nut oils or can we make bulletproof coffee with nut oils? Yeah, it depends on the nut oil. There's some very fragile oils in nuts. I would say add the nuts or nut butter rather than nut oils because most nut oils are solvent extracted, although some like almond oil can be just pressed depending on how it's done. But when you press a nut oil out of the nut, is it stored in the fridge in a dark glass bottle? And was it pressed from a nut that was actually a healthy nut? Or was it from a nut that was so ugly and deformed and basically low end that they decided to press it instead of sell it? Unfortunately, what you find is that the worst quality nuts are used to make oil. And then the oil is oftentimes uh, made rancid. And even things like macadamia oil, well, how is it extracted? If, okay, let's say it's cold-pressed macadamia oil. It has a high smoke point, but just because it has a high smoke point doesn't mean that the delicate oils in it don't get damaged by heat before it starts smoking. So a lot of people confuse smoke point with where the oils start to break down, and they can break down without smoking. So I would say because of the high omega-3 and the monounsaturated content, no monounsaturated oils should be put on a stove or in an oven. But is it okay to blend it with liquid in a blender that's going to be at about 180 degrees Fahrenheit? I think it is for the most part. And I've put nut oils in my coffee before. They just tend to float on top unless you use like a nut milk. Okay. And speaking of oils, Waterproof asks, can you please tell us the alternative to coconut oil for cooking so we can avoid the coconut taste for some meals? Butter and ghee. Ghee is better than coconut oil for cooking anyway. It has more heat stable than coconut oil. Uh, about 15% of your coconut oil is the same MCT oils that we use in upgraded MCT. And those things are only good up to 320 degrees Fahrenheit. They break down above that. So even on the label there, I put that on the label and say, like, don't cook above 320. It's not stable. Even though it won't smoke above 320, it will eventually, but it doesn't smoke at 325. It just breaks down then. So... For cooking, use butter if you don't like the taste of coconut oil. You can also use expeller-pressed coconut oil or even what they call RBD coconut oil, which is refined, deodorized, bleached. And that stuff can have um, uh, can have very little coconut flavor. Palm oil, I don't recommend. It doesn't taste that good. It is saturated, but palmitic acid tends to escort certain toxins past the lining of the gut. Jamaican engineer asks, has Dave noticed improved dental health from the Bulletproof diet? I have noticed improved dental health. Part of this is you're getting a ton of vitamin K2 in your butter and you're getting adequate vitamin D. When I was a raw vegan, and this is something that like recovering vegans who are on the forums will talk about, and I think something that I mentioned with, uh, was it Kristen Ra in a recent podcast and also talking with uh, Alex Jameson from the, the former vegan who was in Supersize Me. Uh, we got to hang out a couple weeks ago and, and she expressed the same thing and said, 
you know, my teeth, I started getting cavities and tooth pain. And I, when I was a raw vegan, I had to cancel a few meetings because I had so much horrible pain in my tooth. And I went into the doctor, they couldn't see anything, but like the pain was there. So when I went on the Bulletproof diet, yeah, like no pain in the teeth, no, uh, like nothing. What you will get though, is if you drink coffee, Bulletproof or not, you'll get stains on your teeth. If you eat blueberries or high phenol foods, you'll get stains on your teeth, chocolate. So what do you do about that? Well, hydrogen peroxide as a mouthwash can help. They have whitening strips. And the coolest biohack of all that I heard about recently, I've been using activated charcoal for about 15 years. And we just launched the upgraded coconut charcoal, which is an ultra pure, ultra, ultra fine charcoal. Well, I've started opening those capsules and dumping one on my toothbrush. I have an electric toothbrush. And I read about this online and thought it sounds a little bit like hocus pocus, but oh my God, you brush your teeth with that and like the stains go away. So I noticed a substantial improvement in whiteness there. And I've had my teeth professionally whitened, you know, six months ago. And I always thought that was kind of a waste of money, but I do now throw a capsule of activated charcoal on my toothbrush once or twice a week. And I notice a big difference. Mm, I haven't actually tried the activated charcoal. I don't notice too much staining with my teeth and I've been a coffee drinker for a while. Uh, I do have kind of a TMI confession. I didn't visit a dentist for about five years. And the first time after that period, I visited a dentist. I'd been bulletproof for about two years. He could not believe that I hadn't seen a dentist in five years. He said my teeth looked really good. So yeah. I mean, that's been my experience. My overall dental health has been, by and large, pretty good anyway. I've never had a cavity in my entire life. Um, but but that he couldn't tell that it had actually been five years was pretty good. And he said that it's because of the lack of excess sugar in my diet. I used to have bleeding gums, too, as a kid, and massive tartar buildup on my uh, the bottom of my teeth, like calcified tartar, to the point that every four months I'd go in for cleaning, and they would chip it off. Literally, like you could feel pieces of it break off. Now I understand that that tartar buildup is something that comes from okra toxin in food or in the environment, and that there's two glands underneath your tongue where excess minerals are released and they cause calcification. So if you're getting like tons of nasty plaque on the back bottom of your teeth, uh, to the kind that kind of chips off if you wiggle it with a tooth uh, toothpick or dental floss, that's a sign you're eating or being exposed to some toxins you don't want or you have a mineral imbalance. Uh, so that plus bleeding gums all the time, all of that stuff resolved. And I know you're supposed to clean your teeth every six months, but I'm kind of busy. So I don't see a dentist that regularly either. Like I'll go in, maybe every year to 18 months. And it's the same thing. Well, your teeth look really healthy. You know, who cleaned them last time? I'm like, it was you. And then they look at their chart. Like, that can't be. Like, well, you know, yeah. less bacteria in my body than the average person. It's been a year since I saw that dentist. So, okay. Speaking, you mentioned upgraded charcoal. And I have a couple of questions from our blog about that. Kurt asks, can I take this every day without adsorption of vitamins and minerals in the digestive system? And what about timing for foods and medications? Well, activated charcoal binds to toxins in the gut, including drugs, including thyroid medication, including things made out of protein. Don't take it around drugs. Don't take it around prescriptions. Don't take it around over-the-counter drugs. And when I say around, 
let the other stuff exit your gut. And if you're on like antipsychotic medications, antidepressants, uh, cardiovascular stuff, talk to your doctor first because you know who, who knows? Um, different substances are treated by the liver differently and we wouldn't want you know to turn up your body's ability to break down these foreign chemicals so quickly that suddenly you were without the foreign chemicals if you actually needed them. You'll find that if you take it with food, it is generally a good thing to do if the food isn't bulletproof. In fact, I feel much better if I take activated charcoal if I go out to a restaurant. If I'm going to be sampling like cup of excellence winning coffee, that stuff has mycotoxins in it. Not all of it maybe, but the stuff I've sampled and I am kind of a coffee guy, um, it tastes orgasmic. But afterwards, there's a hangover. Like the mental clarity that has become my daily norm is not there when I drink these other coffees. So I take activated charcoal. It doesn't fix the problem, but it blunts the effect. So I feel more like myself more quickly after I have it. And sometimes it's worth it to drink, you know, really good tasting coffee, knowing that I'm going to get a bit of a hangover from it compared to my normal state. In terms of will it absorb vitamins and minerals? There is debate. There are many different sources of charcoal, different qualities of charcoal, different amounts of granularity, different treatments of charcoal. It turns out the kind of charcoal that I selected when I was formulating this product is the rarest of all of the charcoals. It's only made from coconut shells. It's the ultra, ultra finest mesh, and it's fully washed in a way that removes toxic metals from it. Because when you burn things, even coconut shells, it concentrates the toxic metals in them. So this is an issue for a lot of common activated charcoal products. So we went for this ultra pure, ultra fine thing. And one camp online says that coconut based kind of natural stuff doesn't absorb vitamins from your food. Only things made from like a coal or petroleum base or some other non-coconut source are going to have this problem. I don't have a study either way. Like I cannot tell you with scientific accuracy. So if I'm going to take a bunch of upgraded collagen or upgraded whey, I'm not mixing charcoal in there because I'm defeating the purpose. And I don't think you should put it in with you know your grass-fed steak. If you burned your grass-fed steak on the grill and you're going to eat it anyway, then take some and you'll be able to absorb the heterocyclic amines and the PAH and the other things that form from overcooking or burning your meat. And then you're probably going to win. So it's very individualized. I don't think it's dangerous or risky to take the stuff every day. Lana took it every day when she was pregnant away from food and vitamins in order to help reduce toxins to get uh, less of the things that would uh, contribute to feelings of nausea in the morning. So the stuff is pretty safe. It's one of the safest things I know of to take. You know, Your risk might be that it could absorb the liver you ate or something. Could you take it in large doses once a week instead of daily doses? If you take too much activated charcoal, it will constipate you. So I don't really have that problem from activated charcoal. I would need an enormous amount of it. And if that's a problem, extra MCT or magnesium or vitamin C are all well known for flushing the bowels uh, and contributing to disaster pants. So I don't think it's going to be much of an issue when you uh, uh, when you take it, there are lots of people every year who go to the emergency room and get you know a ton of the stuff pumped into their stomach uh, for uh, either food poisoning or you know kids who swallowed 
drain cleaner or whatever. So it's relatively innocuous as a supplement, even compared to things like vitamin C that are also quite innocuous. Okay. And in the Better Baby book, you talk about doing a daily charcoal cleanse for a month. Is taking pills as good as drinking charcoal? Taking pills is a lot easier. Uh, What I used to do was I would get charcoal and I'd mix it in a jar or blender with water. But stuff, when you get the right quality, it's so fine. When you open a bag of it, it makes like a black cloud in the kitchen and it's electrostatically attracted to plastic surfaces. So like your blender, your refrigerator, like there's always like a black kind of film in the kitchen. It was worth it for the benefits we got. But one of the reasons that uh, we went through and and made a new process for even encapsulating charcoal this fine uh, was because I got tired of having it all over the kitchen. One of the problems that manufacturers of charcoal have is that it, when it's this fine, it, it gums up machine, it clogs up production facilities. So we, uh, uh, we solved that problem, but it took quite a lot of doing in order to put it into a pill. And I take these pills instead of drinking charcoal water. I look forward to never drinking charcoal water again. And Me too. <laughs> it's gross. Not my favorite. Yep. How, how many pills uh, of, of the upgraded charcoal would be an equivalent dose? It depends on what's going on. Like if I ate something and like 20 minutes later, my head is spinning and I can, I, I just know when I eat food that isn't right for me, I'm a delicate flower. Like I was on antibiotics for 15 years. I lived in a house with stachybotrys. I've had Lyme disease. Like my body has not had a, a very happy start the first half of my life. So like I just have a built-in sense. Something is not right and my brain just lost its like sharp edge I'm used to. I would take a couple tablespoons uh, like heaping tablespoons of powder, which here would be like ten of the uh, of the pills that I have, maybe even fifteen uh, in the current upgraded charcoal. The pills are about twice what you'll find in like the little digestive remedy stuff. Those are mm-hmm. about two hundred forty milligrams. Um, I put five hundred milligrams in mine because charcoal works when you take a little bit more of it. Just watch out if you're constipated. Uh, if not, I would t- I would go heavier if you're feeling brain fog or tired or like. You were feeling great. You had a handful of nuts, and a half hour later, you can't concentrate, or you're getting in a fight with your significant other. Like, food can do that. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that taking pills is just as good as uh, drinking it. Is activated charcoal? This is a question from Joseph. Is activated charcoal able to bind with blood-based or fat-based toxins, or just stuff floating around the digestive tract? Yes to both. It has a strong negative charge, and most toxins like pesticides and BPA and things like that have a positive charge. So they are attracted to it electrically. And sometimes you'll feel a difference even within a few minutes after taking it. Like it kind of feels like a a blanket got lifted off your head. It's much faster acting than you might expect if it was a toxin that was causing you to have that blanket-like feeling. There's also... When your body excretes fat-based toxins, it does it through the biliary system, through the bile. And most of the time, you excrete bile when you poop. But about 28% of us recirculate, we recycle bile. And we do that because it's a survival mechanism. In environments without enough fat, it lets us live longer. (laughs) But 
in environments with fat-based toxins, it actually is not an evolutionary advantage. Activated charcoal will bind to bile in the gut and cause you to excrete more bile than you otherwise would. And this is uh, one of the well-known mechanisms of action of it as a nutritional supplement. So that's worth understanding. So I take it in my own body to target fat-based as well as protein-based toxins in my body. So would you recommend taking activated charcoal at night when also dosing with a magnesium supplement? I do. I take it with magnesium. And if the magnesium is already bound to like a citrate or a malate or something, as far as my mind knows, I don't believe that there's going to be a binding effect. I haven't confirmed this though with like an expert on that subject. I'm 99% sure that it works. I do it, but it's possible you might have a reduction in absorption, but I know that it at least most of the magnesium goes through because when I do it, I don't get leg cramps or anything that would happen if I was off magnesium. Cool. I, I like taking magnesium at night. I find it useful for sleep. I'd like to do a shout out to our forums. I love our forum guys. They're, they've, they're so articulate and so thoughtful about many of the things that they do. I'd like to thank Huzzah, H-Z-A, for writing an amazing um, post that turned into a series about his experience with the upgraded trainer, the H-E-G machine. It's very interesting. And um, that conversation on the forum combined with Jonathan Tuman's presentation at the conference has convinced me to buy it. So maybe that'll be the next biohack I'm talking about the next time I talk to you guys. Nice. Uh, Cato Lotus wrote a guide on variations for bulletproof coffee. And we have several of those uh, on the website as well, like a proven path to a high energy morning. And Geek Gone Strong has been really good about linking to the blog and podcasts when information is already available. Thanks, everyone. I totally appreciate all the, the extra online love and attention. Uh, every day now, I, I get emails from people who say, you know, I lost X amount of pounds, like 40 pounds, or, you know, my family's been transformed, or I got my brain back, and I don't feel like I have ADD anymore. And, and like, people are really just addressing their nutritional requirements using the simplest thing of all, which is knowledge. Uh, I'm I'm grateful to hear that things are working for people, and uh, when people take the time to share it with their friends and all, I I love hearing that's happening. So thank you very much. And if you have a story, something that the bulletproof diet or bulletproof coffee has done for you, please do take a second to drop us a line, post it on Facebook. And the reason I'm asking you to do that is that I'm compiling experiences with the bulletproof diet for the bulletproof diet book. Uh, and also make sure you go to bulletproofdietbook.com and sign up to get the first chapter as soon as it's done. But if you have a testimonial you want to share about what it's done for you, please help me out and help me help other people by sharing what it's done for you. And if you have a picture of you before and you during or after, please include that. We, we love to see pictures of you guys. Before you go, what is the easiest biohack people can try this week? The easiest one to try this week, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but bulletproof coffee is one of those things that like launch you into the stratosphere of focus so you can learn what you want to feel like anyway. Um, but if you're not going to do that, the new Food Sense app that's free if you have an iPhone is a pretty cool way to do it. Wake up, get your heart rate, get your heart rate before and after you eat, and you'll find out 
if you are exposing yourself to kryptonite, things that make you weak when you eat and you don't even know you're doing it. That's a pretty neat biohack that doesn't cost a nickel. Cool. Thanks, Dave. Great show today. And if you guys liked this and got a lot out of it, please give us a review in iTunes. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.